0: How's it going, day guys? Once again, I'm back here in the studio, another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, coming to y'all on Friday, December 21st, 2018. Got lots of good content coming up for y'all. NFL Week 16 is about to come up here, guys. Tons of big news coming hot in the NBA, especially with Chris Paul getting hurt last night. Y'all know I'm a big Rocket supporter, huge James Harden fan, so I mean, I gotta... Gotta definitely discuss that one, but I actually want to open it up here with an interesting topic. I'm kind of gonna cross my NBA and NFL over into each other, and this is with two of my favorite players in the in both leagues, and that is Russell Wilson and Damian Lillard. First, first off, both these guys compare to me because they're the most undervalued superstars we have in their in their uh, respective sports. I mean, Damian Lillard, everything he does for this Blazers team, he's practically the whole team. We saw in last year in the playoff series where Rondo and Drew Holiday basically took him and put him in their back pocket, something I've never seen anybody really do to Damian Lillard. They shut him down. And, I mean, the Blazers just didn't look the same without him. Damian Lillard, guys, this man gets buckets for breakfast. He leads the league in third quarter scoring and in second half scoring. I mean, if he was in a big market where that people were actually getting to watch him play these games rather than he's stuck with the Portland Trail Blazers, nobody gets to see him do this. I mean, what he does scoring the ball, to me, he's like a designated hitter even though he plays point guard. He's not the best. At assisting his teammates, but what Damian Lillard does, guys, he gets buckets. He's fifth in the league in scoring right now at twenty-seven point two points per game. He's uh, hitting point four five percent from the field. So, I mean point four five shoot or from the field. So forty-five percent from the field. He's shooting almost forty percent. He's uh, 39.8% from three-point range, 90% at the free-throw line. I mean, he's getting to the line 7.3 times, on, or he's shooting on average 7.3 free-throws per game. So, I mean, he's getting to the line. This guy does everything scoring the ball, and he has to play for his team every single night. They need him so desperately in there without him. I mean, this Blazers team, they would not be able to do what they do. He's the heart and soul of this team. I mean, he's averaging 35.8 uh, minutes per game over these last uh, 10 games where the Blazers have been on fire, or 7-3 out of their last 10 games. Damian Lillard does it all, guys. Imagine if he got traded to the Lakers like I've been saying needs to happen and got to play with LeBron James. I mean, every single person would be talking to Damian Lillard. This guy's out of Weber State. He's the 10th overall pick in the league. He plays with one of the biggest chips on his shoulder that I've seen anybody play with in the NBA. Every single night, he's out there trying to prove every single person that he is that good. He's that elite. I mean, he kind of got the recognition he deserved last year because he was averaging 33.5 points per game in the second half of the season last year, but still didn't really get what he deserved. I mean, he was a true MVP candidate with what he did. The fact that he was able to break away from the pack in the Western Conference and get that third seed with what he has in Portland. I mean, him and McCollum are really the only top, two top 50 players on that team, and McCollum's kind of an ISO player, so I mean, just what he does for this team is unbelievable. He's so much fun to watch play, guys. Russell Wilson is the same way, though. He's being so undervalued right now. He's 31 touchdown passes, six interceptions, over 3,000 passing yards, and a 111 passer rating. I mean, not a lot Lot of guys in the league have this right now. Also, Seattle's stuck here in like a rebuilding stage. I mean, you kind of feel like Portland is too. They're eight and six right now. They're probably gonna make the playoffs, even though they had a bad loss last week. But this Seahawks team plays well with Russell Wilson. He's just a nitty-gritty guy who finds a way to get it done. And he plays with a big chip on his shoulder, too. That's why him and Damian Lillard are so similar to me. These guys are both counted out, they were not picked to be pure superstars, yet they are. Damian Lillard's a top three point guard at probably one of the most stacked positions in the league. I think he's a top ten player in the league, yet nobody ever wants to sit there and talk about him. If somehow the Lakers went out and traded for him, like I've told you all many, many times, I mean, this team would be so stacked if they had LeBron and Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard's fourth quarter scoring and his clutch scoring would be so good. There's a reason why he taps his wrist and says Dame time every single time he hits a big time shot, because Damian Lillard is a big buckets baller. And that's just how Russell Wilson is too. Russell Wilson for example in that game against Minnesota I mean that was one of the ugliest football games I watched. Russell Wilson did not throw the ball very well in this game. I mean neither team could really move the ball at all. Russell Wilson only 3 for 72 yards in that game but what did he do? He ran the ball for 61 yards and he got the job done. I mean at the end of the day you're like this was one of the worst games i ever watched. I mean he threw that horrible little spin around interceptions but at the same time he found a way to get the job done and he got the victory. That's what Russell Wilson does. He's a winner. There's things that don't show up in the stat sheet like I say with Deshaun Watson like I say with Russell Wilson even with Damian Lillard they find ways to win games they have no business winning the I would say the Blazers probably have one of the top probably I would say if you, I ranked all the rosters right now in the Western Conference based on skill and everything there's so many other rosters I would take over them as of right now the rosters I would take over them I would take the Nuggets the Thunder the Warriors, the Lakers the Clippers the Spurs The Rockets, the Kings, the Jazz, the Pelicans. I mean, the Timberwolves, I think, have a more complete roster than they do. That's almost 10 teams in the West that have a better roster than they do. It's just Dame and CJ. I mean, Nurkic is decent, but the rest of these guys are just whatever kind of role players, and they elevate their game to another level. It's just like Russell Wilson. The only supporting cast, there's probably, I would just put the Seahawks of having the fourth worst supporting cast in the NFL. There's only, I would take take every other team except for three other teams supporting casts over what that Russell Wilson has offered. Yet he gets the job done and gets them to the playoffs or to 10 wins every single year. I know they missed it by one game last year because of that horrible loss, but these guys ball out of their minds. They need more respect. Put some respect on their names. Let's talk about them a little bit more. I love everything these guys do for their teams. Next year, look, I know I said on Twitter I didn't really want to talk about the Pro Bowl. I still kind of stand by that. I mean, the game in itself is garbage, but... Look, it's an honor to get named to go into the Pro Bowl, and I think it's absolutely ridiculous that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are in this. Matt Ryan has better stats than than Aaron Rodgers does. Yeah, he didn't make the Pro Bowl, but you don't hear me complaining. Matt Ryan's not winning games. Russell Wilson got absolutely snubbed. I mean, you could say, oh, I mean, it's not going to determine Russell Wilson getting to the Hall of Fame or not, because you got to think about this, guys. Not everybody from every era, like me, for example, I didn't get to watch, let's say, Horace Grant play. I know he's a great player for the Bulls, or I didn't get to watch... um, Shoot, I'm trying to. I didn't get to watch like Derek Brooks play for the Buccaneers or somebody like that, or Terry Bradshaw play. And that's when you look to see how good these guys were overall at MVPs, at Pro Bowls, at stuff like that. If they led the league in these categories, that's where you try to find stuff. You can look at numbers and you can be like, all right, well, were they doing these in garbage time or was it meaningful or not? That's why it means something to go to the Pro Bowl and especially means something for the players. Like I can't think of his name right now, but the Colts linebacker who leads the—he's one of the top in the league in tackles. This man had 20 more tackles than any linebacker named to the Pro Bowl yet he's still not there. It means something to these players—they work hard for something. Darius Leonard—he's trying to make a name for himself. Blake Martinez is second in the NFL in tackles at 125. This man has 21 more tackles than he does, and he doesn't get named to the Pro Bowl. That is absolutely ridiculous to say that it's a popularity—it's almost like prom. I would compare it to prom. Like, look, the prom king or the prom queen is always going to be the prom queen's always going to be the prettiest girl that all the guys want to get with in high school. That's the way it is. It's like the prom king is always going to be the best athlete, the coolest guy in high school. It's not going to be necessarily the guy who deserves to win prom king or prom queen. It just doesn't work like that. And that's exactly how it is with the Pro Bowl, man. All these players who get named here are just the big-name players. Tom Brady has no business being in the Pro Bowl. I would take Andrew Luck over him all day with what Andrew Luck's doing with the team he has, ways making this team win. Him and Russell Wilson are having Pro Bowl years, and neither of them are on the team. I don't even think Russell Wilson got named as an alternate. It means something to these players when it comes to comes to talking about Hall of Fame, it means something when you're trying to get that contract. You're like, well, I made the Pro Bowl last year if I'm Darius Leonard. I should get more money. Yet he's not getting more money because they're saying, oh, he's not that elite. You know, what I mean? He's not getting the recognition he deserves. Look, I know it's a meaningless game, but it's an honor to make it to the Pro Bowl, and I think they need to fix this. That was absolutely pathetic, taking Aaron Rodgers and taking Tom Brady in there. I'm not happy with that at all. And look, y'all know I'm the biggest Aaron Rodgers advocate. He did not have a Pro Bowl season. Aaron Rodgers probably had his worst season he's ever had as a pro. He's missing throws he always makes. These guys do not deserve to be in the pro bowl. And that's the way I see it right now. All right, guys, so let's talk here about some more big NFL topics before I shift gears back to the NBA and discuss a little Chris Paul and, uh, my uh, current NBA MVP. I want to give him a little love, but right now in the NFL, Josh Gordon getting is out for the rest of the season, placed on the commissioner's, um, exempt list. Josh Gordon had a little relapse. He said he's not in the right place right now. He's no longer a part of this Patriots team. And, I mean, I think it's big. Brady's targeted Gordon the most of any of his receivers. New England was 1-2 and without Gordon. They lacked the big plays. Brady was throwing for 303 yards per game with Gordon in, only 215 without him. That's a huge difference right there. I mean, we watched this Patriots team lose back-to-back weeks against a horrible Jags team, who I would argue was a little bit better than, and a horrible Lions team. A Lions team that won't even make the playoffs, who I could also argue was a little bit better than rather than now, but... I just don't see it, guys. I mean, I think this hurts the Patriots a lot. This offense did not look good last week against Pittsburgh. I mean, you could say Pittsburgh came out to play in a huge game. There's kind of a little letdown spot as well for New England. But at the end of the day, guys, I think this is a huge loss for the Patriots. It's going to hurt them a lot. I know I said earlier in the week on Twitter, gun to my head, I'm taking the Patriots to win the AFC. Guys, the AFC is wide open. As of right now, I'm only sticking with the Texans to win the AFC because I picked them before the season started, but going to the playoffs, that's how I'm truly going to determine who's going to go to who's going to represent the AFC in the championship. I think it could be a team that gets hot starting wildcard weekend in the playoffs, team that kind of has to fight for their lives to get into the playoffs to begin with. I will say this though, I don't really trust the Chiefs in the playoffs, they've fallen off and it's Andy Reid in the playoffs, so... I think Gordon going out is a really big deal. You could say, oh, it doesn't matter. Belichick can plug anybody into his system. But I think in this case and scenario and how old Tom Brady is now and everything that the Patriots, it is a big deal. But I will say this. Every single time that we have counted out Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, they have proved us wrong. So... I mean, I don't feel great about saying this right now, but just numbers and facts and stats and logic and everything points to the Patriots not being as well without Josh Gordon. So I'm going to stick with this, and I'm going to say it's not looking good for them right now. I mean, I just don't like the Patriots on the road in the playoffs without Josh Gordon. I feel like that he's probably one of the players you would trust the most, him and Gronk, to go to to get you a big play, maybe even Edelman without them. I don't think James White, Gronk, Chris Hogan, Julian Edelman, um, Sony Michelle. I don't think that's good enough of an offense to get it done with all these stacked up offenses. So, I know I usually talk about some big games this week, and I decided to just stick with three this week, just because I don't want to be sitting here talking for forever and ever and ever, just because there's other pressing matters to talk about. So, I kind of picked the three biggest games. I really hated leaving the Eagles-Texans game off there. Briefly, I'm just saying, I think it's crazy the Eagles are favored in this game. I know Texans are a dome team going to cold weather. Eagles are desperate. We saw they played last year desperate. As a better, I probably will stay away from this game, but... As a football guy, I think the Texans are absolutely going to pound them. The Texans do play though down to their opponent's level almost every single game. They don't really blow teams out. They've only the only games they've lost this season have been by a possession. So, I think this game will be close. But I just feel like Deshaun Watson, man, he's a winner and he's going to find a way to pull this one out. So that'll be a hell of a game at one o'clock. That's probably that's definitely the game I'm watching at one o'clock. Is that Texans Eagles game? But. Let's look here now at the Ravens and Chargers. This game's played on Saturday. I believe it's at 425. It's going to be a really, really good game. Um, I'm not going to lie, though, guys. The Ravens have played bad defenses. They've played all bottom-tier defenses in the NFL in this run with Lamar Jackson. I think that Lamar will get exposed a little bit in this matchup. Chargers are the only team in the league with a top 10 scoring offense and defense. It's Ravens at Chargers. Chargers minus four. I know Chargers get horrible home field advantage. There'll probably be more Ravens flock there than there will be Chargers supporters. But I think the Chargers cover this easily, and I think they win this game. I mean, not necessarily easily. I think the Ravens will hang around because of how good that defense is. But I think the Chargers will be in control of this game, and I think they'll end up winning. I mean, what Phillip Rivers did last week in Kansas City was absolutely crazy. He really hasn't had success in there at all. For the most part, the Chiefs dominate the Chargers in this matchup, and the fact that he's able to come back in the sense and the fashion he did, I think the Chargers are that hot team trying to ride a hot wave into the playoffs, and I think they could do a lot of damage in the playoffs, so I look for them to stay hot here and handle business against the Ravens. I mean, they know the next game I'm going to talk about is the Chiefs at Seahawks. They know that's a huge matchup for the Chiefs. That's going to be a tough one right there, so they know they need to go out. They need to handle business. They want to put even more pressure on Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid and by, by the fact that they play on Saturday and these guys play on... On, uh, on Sunday night. So, I mean, they can put all the pressure on them by coming out and winning this game. I think the Chargers win this game 31-20, 27-20, something like that. I think the Chargers cover the spread. I'll eat the points here, take the Chargers. I love the Chargers in this matchup. The next game I'll talk about is Chiefs at Seahawks. The Chiefs' run defense has been horrible. This game is Seahawks plus two and a half. I mean, give me a plus three points Seahawks at home. I'd buy the half point all day. Um, Seahawks 16-2 in primetime matchups. Um the Seahawks are a little beat up so that doesn't look as good, doesn't bode as well for them but I think coming off a loss last week the 49ers the Seahawks are going to come out focused and they're going to come out firing. I mean Russell Wilson always brings the guys to war like I just said earlier. I mean you know he's going to get the job done from his way. I mean he is this guy is a beast, guys. I love everything Russell Wilson does. So I really do think that somehow they're going to pull this one out. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think what's going to end up happening is the Seahawks are going to use this run game that has been a lot better. I believe they have a top-10 run game this season. So I think they're going to keep on running the ball in this game. They're going to try to keep Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid on the sidelines, which is a really smart way of playing against this team. We haven't really seen too many teams do it. So I think if you can keep them on the sidelines in this matchup – that it can bode well for them. Actually, Seattle has the they have the number one rush offense in the league. So yeah, I knew I knew they had a really good year rushing running the ball. For some reason, I thought Dallas was number one and Carolina was number two, but. I was wrong about that, but Seattle, guys, this run offense, I think they're going to run the ball all over the 26th-ranked Seahawks run defense. I think this will be a good game for Seattle. I mean, look how good the Seahawks are now. They have their run game back. They really haven't had it since beast mode. I think the Seahawks get rolling here, and they roll in the playoffs hot and pull this one off. I mean, it's going to be a fun game to watch, though, guys. That's one of those Sunday night football games you can't get off your TV, so I can't wait to watch this one either. Uh, My last matchup I'm going to talk about here before I just give you all a little general playoff picture and what I'm looking for this weekend to solidify my MVP race is the Saints-Steelers game. This game has Saints at minus five and a half. I think this is huge. So the Steelers, James Conner was officially ruled out today. The Steelers cannot win without running the ball. We saw at the beginning of the season that was their problem. Conner was putting up fantasy numbers because he's catching the ball and scoring touchdowns. He's not running the ball though. So the Saints have shut down their all, So the Saints have shut down their running backs. I mean, Samuels is a guy who likes to run outside of the tackles. The Saints are really fast on the edges. New England not as fast. I think the Saints can plug up and stuff this run and make them throw. Steelers have 15 road road turnovers. The thing that we're not talking about here, guys, is how all star that the Saints defense is. I think this game will be a lot lower scoring than you think. We see these. Offenses pop up the page. But, I mean, what the Steelers' defense did last week, guys, was crazy. They basically shut down Brady and Belichick. They made them look lost out there on offense. Steelers' defense dominated that game from whistle to whistle. And I look for them to kind of play the same way. But this is Drew Brees at home in the Dome. I think it's a letdown stage. Teams, after playing New England, Don't you typically don't play as well. I'll take the 5.5 points here and take the Saints. I love that one. Saints will cover this game. It'll be a good one, though, guys. Don't get me wrong. But I think the Saints will pull away more towards the end. Probably win this game, like... Uh, like 28-13 or like 27-13 something like that maybe even 24-13 but I like the Saints to win this one I think the Steelers offense will struggle to get going I mean the Saints defense guy's really underrated and you know me as a Falcons fan saying the Saints defense underrated that should mean a lot to you guys so those are my biggest matchups this weekend. I mean, I cannot wait to watch these games, guys. It's going to be another fun weekend. I mean, unfortunately, I'll have the Falcons game on, but I don't know how much attention I'm going to be paying to it, especially since that Taylor Heineke will be the starting quarterback. Give him a little shout-out guy from uh, Collins Hill, Georgia. A couple of my friends played football with him in high school, so, I mean, he'll be looking to make a name for himself and sling the rock around. One other storyline I kind of want to see this weekend is if Christian McCaffrey can become, I think, the third player in NFL history to go for 1,000 yards receiving and 1,000 yards rushing. Currently on the season, McCaffrey has... 768 yards receiving and he has 979 yards on the ground so I mean if Christian McCaffrey can pull this off that would be a crazy feat to do I would love to see him do it I love Christian McCaffrey over 2,000 yards in general as a running back is a hell of a feat but the fact that he's doing 1,000 on the ground 1,000 in the air and like I said earlier in the week with his usage rate where he's on the field for 97.7% of the snaps I mean I would just love to see McCaffrey do it he's a workhorse man but looking at all these big matchups here guys and the way everything's playing out here I think the Steelers and the Ravens, they're both going to take losses this week. I mean, definitely going to take losses this week. It's going to be tough for both these teams to pull out these road games. Both teams have bad games against big teams on the road. I think the Steelers, though, will handle business next week in a must-win against the Bengals. But like I said, I've seen crazy things happen week 17. Bengals ruined the Ravens season last year. I wouldn't put it past them doing it to a division rival like the Steelers again this year. The Ravens finish versus the Browns. Baker Mayfield's been playing hot. That's going to be a tough game. The Ravens are still deep battling for a wild card. I think which other team, though, doesn't win the division probably won't make the wild card. I think one of these two teams loses out both these games. I don't see both these teams winning out, but it's going to be weird to see how everything gets broken up and whatnot. The Colts, they have two big matchups left. They play the Giants this week. I think they cover not as big. I think they let down a little bit after a big week against the Cowboys. Them and the Titans. That could be a huge game. Andrew Luck never lost the Titans before both these teams trying to get in the playoffs. Both teams tied at eight and six. The Titans this week they play the Redskins, a beat-up Redskins team. I think the Titans come out, prove a point, push a message, cover that one. So as of right now, I mean the Dolphins are not eliminated. The Chargers have already clinched one of the wild card spots, so there's only one wild card spot open. I'm taking the Colts, they have the best quarterback out of all these teams. I think like I said, I think the Ravens lose back-to-back weeks. I think the Browns try to make a push to get in the playoffs here. It's not going to happen though. I mean, they're not math- they're not uh, technically eliminated because all these teams could lose out and let the Browns in, but I don't see it happening. I don't see the Dolphins getting in. I saw staff that basically over the last 5 seasons the Dolphins have been completely 500. It doesn't get more average than the Dolphins. I expect them to do the exact same thing this year. Finish 8-8, eight and eight. so I think that's what's going to happen there. Chargers and Chiefs are both locks to get in there. I think the Chargers will win this division. I think the Chiefs lose this week to the Seahawks. I think they'll handle business, though, against the Raiders, but I think that loss against the Seahawks will permanently put them out of it. I also think they'll lose in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, I just feel like the Kansas City's not playing their best football. I think New England will handle business against the Jets and the Bills. I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't. My uh, playoff outlook right now, I also think the Texans handle the Eagles and the Jags so I I've got Texans and Chargers with my first round buys right now. I've got Chiefs and Colts is my wild card teams. I've got Steelers and Patriots winning their divisions, so that means I'll probably see put the Steelers up against I bl- the Steelers will go up against the Chiefs and the Patriots will go up against the Colts. I mean, I think the Patriots will be fine against the Colts. I think they'll be able to handle everything, push through that. I think that the Steelers will handle the Chiefs as well. The Chiefs have not been playing well. I mean, I think the Chiefs are just going to be. It's just what it is. it is. What it is for Kansas City. I mean, they'll be back next year. I think they'll be a much better team here in the future. Losing Kareem Hunt was a huge distraction. This team's had to deal a lot with, deal with a lot of stuff. I think they peaked too soon in the season. Same thing with the Steelers. I think these teams play their best football. I think that the favorites win those. I think the home teams win those games, and I think the same thing happens again. I mean, I picked the Texans to go to the Super Bowl, so I'm sticking with the Texans as of right now as my Super Bowl team coming out of the AFC, which would be huge. Um, On the NFC, I have Dallas winning the division. I think they'll handle business these next— I think they come out focused against Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay's offense will give them a little bit more than they want. Tampa Bay's a really good offensive team, horrible defensive team. I look for Ezekiel Elliott to run the ball over them. Tampa Bay's 30th in the league against the run. I also look for them to win last week of the season at the Giants. I think they'll handle business there. Dallas should be able to get in the playoffs here as the division winner. I think the Eagles do not do not make the playoffs as I've said. I think they miss it. At, I think they'll finish the season at eight and 8 which I think holds them out here. I don't think they're going to beat the Texans. I think the Texans will come out focused, guys. Deshaun Watson, if we've learned anything about Deshaun Watson, he plays best in the big games. Deshaun Watson will win this week, I promise you all. I think the Vikings will be able... I mean, the Bears have already clinched their division. I'd love to see the Bears get a first-round bye. I think the Vikings, though, will handle business at the Lions and hopefully cement their spot in here because, I mean, they win a tiebreaker with the Eagles because they have that tie game, so they're going to have one less loss. That actually might end up being huge or hurt them in certain ways, but I think they can pull it out this week and get a wild-card spot. Love to see the Bears get a first-round bye. I just don't think with the Rams' remaining schedule... At the Cardinals at home versus the 49ers. 49ers are really good at home. They're horrible on the road. So I think that the Rams will still end up getting that first round bye. I don't know how deep the Rams are going in the playoffs, guys. The Rams scare me the most of any team in the league. They look like they're playing on their last leg. I look for New Orleans, though, to come out focused and close out with their remaining schedule and lock up this first seed. I think they come out focused against the Steelers because they know they need that Super Bowl run through New Orleans. Right now, I have a New Orleans versus Texans Super Bowl. So... That'll be fun to watch play out, guys. Last thing I want to say: this weekend's huge for the MVP race. I think if Drew Brees wins this game, that he sits out the following week and rests. If as long as that, they, they for sure because I mean if they tie with the with the with the um if they tie with the Rams, they automatically get the first seed. And I think they could still with Taysom Hill or whoever they wanted to put back there at QB. I think I guess Teddy Bridgewater. I think they could still beat the Taylor Heineke Panthers, especially since that game will be at home. I think they can still handle it. I look for them just to kind of chill out a little bit in this game. So If anything, guys, Super Bowl runs through New Orleans. It's going to be tough. The NFC playoffs is going to be a little more wild, I think, than the AFC. The AFC seeding is going to be wild, but I think the AFC playoffs itself are pretty cut and dry. But when I look at the NFC over here, guys, I think that the NFC playoffs are going to be pretty wild for everyone except for New Orleans. I think New Orleans will be able to get through. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch everything play out. Like I said, though, I think Drew Brees wins this week, racks up the MVP. I think the only other players who really have a shot to win the MVP. I don't think really any of these Rams guys have a shot anymore. The way they played the last couple weeks, I mean, a lot of, I know I use recency bias. I know a lot of people use recency bias. That's why it's such a big thing. And recency bias says the Rams suck and the Rams players have choked. So I think that'll stick stick it to the Rams right there. I think Russell Wilson, and Andrew Luck are dark horses with what they've done for their teams. If Drew Brees were to somehow come out play the worst game and blow this, and the Saints not get the first round buy, I think that could lose MVP status for him. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott could be an MVP guy right now though. My MVP standings at one, two, and three. One, I got Drew Brees. Two, I actually have Phillip Rivers. Number three, I have um, Patty Mahomes. Number four, I have Wilson and, and, I guess, five, Luck. But Wilson and Luck are tied for me. So, that's my MVP standings right there. Sean Watson is up there as well. I mean, I just feel like that he doesn't really have the numbers these other guys have. I mean, his numbers are damn good, though. Sean's a beast. But I just feel like what these other guys are doing with these better records, that they can get it over him. So, that'll be interesting to see what goes on there with everything. Um... Let's move here now to the NBA. And so in the NBA, I already kind of talked about Damian Lillard and Russell Wilson, how they're both undervalued, compared those two a little bit. Um, I want to talk here a little bit about Giannis. So Giannis right now is my MVP of the league, no doubt about it. Interesting stats for here for y'all. Giannis gets ninety three percent of his points in the paint this season. He gets ninety three percent of his points in the paint. Ninety three percent, and this guy plays small forward, power forward. I mean, he brings the ball up the floor every single time. I read a little article yesterday about how they like to space the floor out. Coach Bud, they call it gamifying. It's like gamifying um, analytics or like coaching. So like some teams will have a four-point line on the floor. What the Bucs do is they have these squares set aside where they want all their players to line up. They like to go five out so Giannis can use his speed and get to the hole. And it works so well. This guy's averaging 26.7 points per game. He's point five off from being tied with Damian Lillard. So he's basically a top-five scorer in the league. And he can't shoot to save his life from three. He's shooting uh, 12.5% from three. 12.5% from three. And he's averaging that many points per game in a three-point shooting league. I mean, Giannis is only going to get better, guys. He's 24 years old. It's going to be crazy to see the jumps this kid keeps on taking. He is destined for greatness. He's destined to be the best player in the league. Look, I like Anthony Davis just as much as the next guy. And I think Anthony Davis and Giannis are just going to be their league here soon. But give me Giannis over him all day. Just for those reasons right there. On top of that, of the 41 players that have taken over 400 shots this season, Giannis leads them in field goal efficiency at 59.7%. And on top of that, the only two players that have the usage rate that Giannis has with that field goal percentage is LeBron and Steph Curry. So, I mean, that's just crazy numbers right there for you guys. These guys are going to be fun to watch. I mean, it's, I mean, Giannis is going to put on a show for us, guys. I think he's going to run away with the MVP award and what he's doing with this Bucks team right now. Also, the last stat I'm going to give you all here is Giannis leads the league in unassisted dunks at 55. Gobert is second at 23. So, I mean, the the margin there between those two, it's not even close. Giannis is balling out on another level. What he's doing with this Bucks team and the way they're winning. Like, look, Anthony Davis' stats are a little bit better, but in certain ways they are. But the Bucs have a, the third best record in the I guess they're tied. At, no, no, they have the second best record in the league because they only have nine losses. There's a couple other teams with 21 wins. But, I mean, just the stats that Giannis is putting in right now, just everything that he's doing for his team, his current stats right now, he leads his team in, re- in points, rebounds, and assists. He's averaging 26.7 points, 12.9 rebounds, 6.1 assists. So, he's doing everything for this team. I love this Bucks team. I think they're a great young team, and they're only going to get better when they get rid of blood. So, give my man Giannis the MVP. All right, last thing I want to talk about here before I let you guys go is I want to talk a little bit here about my about – my, uh, my Rockets, man, I gotta talk about them a little bit. So they were on fire, won five in a row. Would have been six in a row. They still almost came back and won that game. I don't know why Mike Tantoni drew up the play for for uh, Eric Gordon to shoot the game-winning three and not Harden. I guess he thought Harden was gonna get doubled, which it kind of did look like the Heat did double him last night. But still, I'm having I'm having James Harden shoot that shot ten times out of ten to win the game for you, especially how hot he was in the first half. He cooled off a little bit in the second half when he was getting extra defensive attention, but. I really think that think that losing Chris Paul is going to hurt them a lot. You gave up so much depth to get Chris Paul that when you don't have him in the lineup, it hurts a lot more than people think it does. So that is really, really going to hurt this Rockets team. I don't know how long he's going to be back. At least it's the other hamstring and not the same one that he hurt last year. But he could be out for a little while here, guys. I mean, the Rockets have not done well without Harden or without um without Paul in the lineup. This season, the Rockets are, without Chris Paul in the lineup, they are 0-4 five on the season. Yeah, 0-5 this season without Chris Paul in the lineup. So he means a lot to them with with the depth they give up. Actually 0-6, because I'll count last night because he only played 12 minutes. So 0-6 without Chris Paul in the lineup. That's a tough one to swallow right there. This Rockets team just got hot. They looked like they were world beaters. They broke the NBA record for three pointers hit a night, but it's just not working out for them guys without CP in the lineup. So I think no CP in the lineup is going to hurt them a lot. So this one's going to be a tough one to swallow Houston. The road might get a little tougher. At least they got Brandon Knight back, but he came off, he's coming back off that torn Achilles. We know how long it takes. It took him a while to even recover from that, so it's still going to be a couple of weeks. I hope the Rockets can keep rolling without him in the lineup, but they're going to have to find something. I mean, plugging Gerald Green in there as your new starting shooting guard is not going to work. James Harden's stats are only going to shoot up, but this team needs to win, guys. I mean, this is the point in the season now where that you can't have a big gap between you and a playoff team. Obviously, it'll stay close in the Western Conference, guys, but the Rockets are going to have a big gap between them and the next playoff team, and they can't be having this without Chris Paul in the lineup, so it's going to be rough sledding. I know a lot of people think they can do it. James Harden can't do it by himself. There's very few all-star players that can do it by himself. He's done it by himself in the past, but he doesn't have Trevor Ariza, Lou Williams, or Patrick Beverly anymore. Instead, he's got Gerald Green, Brandon Knight, and Eric Gordon, so I mean, he had Eric Gordon with those teams. I guess James Ennis instead of Eric Gordon, but still that's not good enough of a lineup. The Rockets need to go out here and make a move. They need to go find somebody like they found Gerald Green last year on on waivers or as a free agent. They need to go out and make that splash. Carmelo Anthony ain't going to save them either, so he's not the player they need either. But they got to go out here. They got to make something. They got to get bring somebody in. But that's all I got for y'all today. Um, look at my Twitter. I've been going off lately on my picks. I'm now fourteen and four on maxes this quarter. I am, I guess, tw- twenty five and a uh, and eleven on picks right now. So kind of eating a little bit right now, guys, and I'll look to keep eating tonight. I got some solid picks, lots of picks out tonight. I really like the NBA card tonight. It's going to be fun to watch. But like I said, guys, follow me on Twitter, at Hot Takes with TP3. Me and Cohen about to shoot the association. But it's going to be a fun weekend to watch in sports, guys. Can't wait to watch it. I hope you all enjoy watching it. My what to watch for biggest game you can't miss. I would say is that Chiefs-Seahawks game. Also can't miss tonight. LeBron and the Lakers going up against Davis and the Pelicans. I mean, can't miss out on either of those. That's a national telecast. But I'll see you guys. Hope you all have a great Christmas. Merry Christmas from me. I'll probably talk to you all one more time before Christmas.